guys and welcome back to Sports from the Sidelines. So in today's episode I got to have a nice chat with Ash Buckman who is a motorsports performance coach who's often found within the GB3 and F2 paddock. We got to speak all about his experiences from working within the motorsport industry along with some of the things that surprised him the most when he started working in it and we also got to speak about the main differences from working within both paddocks as well as his standout memories from his career so far and also whether he should take partial credit for Marcus Armstrong's Rookie of the Year title in IndyCar. (laughs) I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you so much for coming on today. No problem. So, first of all, I wanted to ask you a bit about whether you could do a bit of an introduction about what you do from your perspective in your career role. Yeah. um, So, essentially, my job title, I guess, is a performance coach, which essentially encompasses everything to do with sports medicine, and so be it from the training perspective in the gym, uh, looking after athletes from a sports therapy point of view, so uh, slightly like similar to the physiotherapy sort of thing. Um, and then you've got sort of the slight touch in psychological, but obviously nothing direct. It's more just like well-being and that side of things. Um, and just generally being a go-to person for an athlete to go to that you can kind of tap into a bit of everything and work in so my speciality is within most sport um so obviously within most sport there's a lot of uh demands that the athletes have to deal with so i'm kind of there to just make sure their life is as easy as possible be it from a driving perspective from a, a life perspective just kind of almost a bit like a personal assistant i guess but with the perks if you get to go to the gym with them as well <laughs> and obviously you you spoke about it being mainly within motorsports is that something you always wanted to go into? To an extent, I think um, it was one of those things where obviously you don't really know. Well, I always knew I wanted to go into sport um, and it wasn't until sort of I was maybe first year of university, I realised that there was a job within motorsport where I could do what I was studying and also be part of one of my favourite sports. Because um, up until then, it was always like, oh, if you went to university and studied sports, you went to football, yeah. rugby, etc. So to find out that I could go into motorsports and do this sort of job, I was like sold on the concept. I was like, I have to try and put all my attention into going down this route now. And fortunately, it paid off. How was that opinion within university? Because I know often when you speak about wanting to be involved in the motorsport industry and not something more generic like football or rugby, something that's more focused, I feel like some people are a bit more on the edge of the topic, really. It was, to be fair, I think the university kind of welcomed it because, I mean, my university, so I was studying down at um, Solent University in Southampton, we had on sort of like the sports science related courses, there's probably 200 students. And I would guess that maybe 70% probably had their initial ideas set that they were going to go down the football route. Mm. And then if it wasn't that, it was a cricket or personal training or yeah. sort of stuff. So uh, as far as I know, for my year, I was the 
only student who showed an interest in motorsport. So I feel like it gave me an advantage because the lecturers and the staff were kind of a bit like, oh, this guy's serious about doing something other than football. Let's actually try and help him. So that's how it felt to me, at least. Um, so that was quite nice. So I got quite a bit of support trying to network with people out in the industry using links to the university. So it was quite nice to have that sort of support when I was going something down a route that was a bit more niche compared to what you typically see when students go to university studying sports science. Yeah, and obviously you go into the GB3 Championship as well as F2. What's it, what's it like being in both of them environments? And what's, what's it like to change, especially throughout a season from drivers, teams and all the changes in the car? Yeah, it's a strange one because, um, I mean, I've obviously been in both paddocks and there's just a very different level of, um, I don't want to say professionalism, but naturally there's different rules and different things that kind of go on. So you can argue that, um, I suppose, the F2 paddock is slightly more professional than GB3, but that's obviously because it's an international series. Uh, There's a lot more money on the line and... um, but similarly, you can't just go into the GB3 paddock and just be really casual, unprofessional. It's still a working environment. It's still a live, a live pit lane racetrack. So you've got to be careful. But um, it's tough. I think it's just managing. It's almost not treating them the same. You've got to look at them yeah. as two different series. Um, I mean, one of the biggest shocks that I had when I first went into a, an F2 race weekend last season in Bahrain the first rule I was told, and it was one of the biggest rules was do not touch the car. Yeah. Out of like, you cannot touch the car because obviously in F2, there's a number of, um, there's a set number of start or mechanics that can operate on the car. So if I'm seen to be touching the car, then the yeah. team receive a massive fine. But then I go into the GB3 paddock and someone turns around to me and says, just hold the car while we're here doing work on it. And I'm like, am I allowed? So I'm there holding this car and I'm like, this is completely different to what I experienced. And obviously it's just that ability to remember where I am to switch between the two series. Um, but other than that, everything from a from my perspective as a as a trainer as a performance coach is kind of similar. You've still got to make obviously focus on driver well being, getting them prepared for the car. Obviously, yeah. the differences between the cars and what the driver experience is, but fundamentally, the actual concept stays the same. And what's the? Because I feel obviously with F two, it's a lot more international traveling. What was that like when you were involved in that season? It was good. I mean, you get sick of airports. It's yeah. um, it's a perk of the job, I suppose, that obviously <laughs> you're flying around to these amazing places, but when you're at Heathrow Airport every other weekend and you've got to sit there for an hour and a half or if your flight's delayed longer, you, it gets quite tedious. But from a, a management perspective, from with the drivers, obviously certain races you've got to be considerate of jet lag. Yeah. Um, so I was fortunate this year to be able to go to um, Australia with uh, Jack Crawford at the start of the year, and obviously there's a oh, what was it about a ten hour time zone difference, yeah. um, so you have got to be considerate of things like that. Um, so obviously that plays into effects. Obviously traveling around the world is great, but you've also got to be mindful of you land one day and then two days later you're in a in a race car. You're I, in my case, I'm trying to work when I'm meant to be sleeping. So there's definitely perks to it all, but obviously there's also some things that kind of take it out of you. Um, but some of the places you get to see are incredible. Obviously we've been. Australia, we've been around the Middle East, all of Europe, so there's some cool places you get to experience uh, on the road. Was that a very, maybe overwhelming moment then, to be able to go to all of these different places and be so involved within teams that so many people followed? 
I think initially, yeah. I mean, it's one of those strange things that when you're watching most sports on TV, you see it as this big, glamorous yeah. uh, spectacle that happens sort of throughout the season. It's kind of one of those things that, yeah, that is kind of the case. Um, but then after sort of a few races, I kind of become desensitised to it, which sounds terrible because I know I, I know there's so many people who'd love to be in my shoes going to race weekends. But <laughs> when you look at it from the perspective that, that it's all the same, like it's just a track, and then you kind of go into work mode, you kind of forget where you are. Now, obviously, there's some experiences that are different. So like in Abu Dhabi last year, it was obviously spectacular because it's one of the biggest races of the year it's so glamorous yeah so there's some times like that where you kind of feel like oh yeah this is this is insane this is a really cool environment but then when it's chucking it down in spa you kind of just realize that yeah that it is glamorous from the outside but when you're yeah. when you're standing in a pit lane holding an umbrella over a driver and getting soaking wet yourself it's kind of a bit like yeah there's probably there's probably some better parts of the job and also some bits that uh, you could do about yeah how is Obviously, Jack Crawford's with Red Bull, and I know you did Marcus Armstrong in F2 as well. How would you say the differences are between different teams? Because I, I imagine that the rules are very a lot more stricter for a team like Red Bull Racing Juniors. I would imagine so. so it's, it's a tricky one with me and Jack. So I, the races I've looked after Jack, I've covered for his yeah. other trainer. So I'm kind of under the realms of what his trainer sets me. So I'm only allowed an element of certain freedom with him because obviously I don't want to mess up his schedule and um, I don't want to kind of interfere. Apologies for the dog if you can hear him. <laughs> um, so with Marcus, I kind of had a bit more full, um, a bit more full control over him. So I was kind of I was able to influence his um, his weekend and his training a lot more yeah. than with Jack. So. Obviously, like you said, with Jack, he's a Red Bull junior. When I took over from Marcus, he'd just finished being on the Ferrari, uh, Ferrari Driver Academy, so he was independent at this time. So it was kind of nice not to have... Uh, not necessarily nice to have someone not to report to, but at the same time, I wasn't wary of annoying someone that was higher up than me. Yeah. Um, being solely employed through high tech, it was a case of as long as high tech were happy, that was fine. Whereas, obviously, with Jack, I've got to be a bit more careful because I've got um, high tech his usual trainer, and then obviously Red Bull, who I haven't dealt with directly, but I'm aware they're there. Yeah. So you've kind of got to be a bit more aware of not causing any problems there. But in the moment, I don't feel like you notice know, it. I feel at the end of the day, these guys are still racing drivers. They're all very switched on. They're very professional. So you can kind of go... See, you can see differences, but you can also see a lot of similarities just based on their upbringing, how they've been... In, you know, they've been racing for nearly their whole life. So they know... They know what's going on, and it's it's nice not to have that worry of being like, oh, I need to be careful with you because you're a Red Bull Junior. You can yeah. still kind of come in and be like, yeah, you're a racing driver and you're a human, so we can still do all these normal things. I imagine as well, obviously, when you spend so much time with these drivers that obviously you do build a relationship with them. And how's dealing with that alongside actually getting them to focus on the job at hand that you're trying to do? No, for sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely a tricky point. You've got to find that balance between the professionalism and but also you've got to be someone they can see as a friend because at the end of the day it's it's one of those things that if you have a driver and they can't respect you or they don't see you as someone that they can get on with they're only going to listen to 30 percent of what you're actually telling them yeah but then at the same time you can't get to the point where you're best mates and they feel like they can just manipulate 
you to an extent because obviously as a performance coach my sole priority is to make sure that they're at their best and if that gets to the stage that obviously by being too close with someone that that's being impacted then that's where you've got to kind of look back and go okay maybe not so I mean I've I feel like with the drivers I've worked with I've had a good balance with that um it's obviously different with uh like different drivers essentially because You'll have some guys who want you to be dead serious, highly professional in certain situations. You want some people who want you to be really chilled out and quite almost jokey about things. Yeah. Um, and it obviously takes a few weeks. I mean, with Marcus, it probably took me, I, I would say with Marcus, it took us a good two months until I feel like we were fully in sync. Not saying that the first two months were terrible, but to really find that sweet spot of when, to, when he needed me, when certain personalities needed to come out it definitely took a, few, a little while and obviously then with Jack that was a lot harder because I'd met him a few times beforehand but then we go straight into Melbourne and we're on a 24-hour flight together and we're in one race and I've got to try and get to that stage as quickly as possible so it's challenging but I think once you find that sweet spot it's, it's really good to have someone to connect with on the race weekends from my perspective and theirs. Yeah I wanted to know as well was there anything that you were really surprised about when you first, for example, like when you first went into Formula Two. Was there anything that, from a, full hands-on point of view instead of an outsider's point of view, was there anything that really, made you change your opinions on it? Um, it's a tough one, you know, because it's kind of like. Everything that goes on is just so chaotic. Like yeah. this, it's crazy because a lot of my job on a race weekend there's a, there's a lot of downtime because obviously like especially last season there was massive gaps between sessions there's only certain times you need to be involved but even with that it's still very full on it's very chaotic and not necessarily from my perspective but just in the environment because obviously when you're based with a specific team then you're in amongst their garage their truck and the mechanics are just going like full gas the whole time like it doesn't matter what's going on the cars come out off track and as soon as they're out of Park Ferme or if they haven't been in Park Ferme, the guys are stripping the cars and rebuilding. It's it's, chaotic, like, it's crazy. And it was just things like that because from the outside, I feel like you watch F1, F2, F3, GB3, British F4, Freca, all of these championships, they're all the same in the essence when you watch them from the outside. But you don't realise how much goes on behind it. It's not a case of a car's just there, driver hops in, oh no, they crashed the car, then we have to fix it. Every time you come out, they're fixing the car, they're rebuilding, like they're going through it. So... That kind of surprised me to an extent, I guess, because I suppose it's a naivety that I had coming in and almost just, you don't think about these sort of things, I suppose, when you're watching on TV, but then when you're in amongst it, you realise that, you know, these guys in amongst the team, there's so many members of staff within teams that are working continuously throughout and you kind of forget that I'm essentially responsible for this one guy and if he doesn't do a good job, I'm letting all these people down. Yeah. So if, if I haven't if I've done something to him and he's like not feeling fresh then that's on me then I've let him down but I've also let all these people down so you kind of don't realise how much there is to it all, I think until you're in amongst it um, so I suppose that was the biggest not surprise but I opener I had when I first kind of stepped into it all. Have you have you ever felt that kind of pressure when maybe they're not performing that well? Um. Not necessarily pressure, but maybe just the feeling of, is there anything I could have done yeah. better? Um, it's hard because obviously we have, like as performance coaches, we have a direct impact on the drivers. 
but we also need to remind ourselves we don't have a direct impact on their driving style and technique. Yeah. Like from if you look at performance from a driver, you have two perspectives. You have their driving performance and their physical performance, and it's a bit like we can impact one of those. But if the driver's not just drive, if the driver's just having a really bad weekend, like they just can't seem to nail it, that's not on us. And you, it's hard to not take it a bit personally. It's not because you feel like, oh, is there something that I should have done yeah. maybe in the week building up that would have made him best prepared? But it's like any sport. Like you look at football, they like footballers have terrible days, but they have amazing days. And the F and C coach back in the training ground isn't going to turn around and be like, oh, is that my fault? He's missed the penalty. It's, it's little things like that. You kind of. It's on your mind, but it's yeah. it shouldn't be on your mind. It's not directly your fault. Whereas if a driver had come in from a session, they said, I'm feeling weak as anything, I can't turn a steering wheel, then I'd be like, okay, that's not me because I can have a direct impact on making them stronger or increasing their endurance for a race. And that's where I should come back. So fortunately, I haven't really had that to an extent where it's been a problem. But even when the little things happen, you still kind of feel a bit like, oh, yeah, maybe, I, maybe there is something I can do, but not always. I wanted to speak a bit about your memories from being within the motorsport industry as well. Is there any that really stand out to you as moments where you've been like, wow, this this is really amazing? Um, you don't just have to pick I think, I suppose, Yeah, I think there's a few key moments that you kind of look back on and you go, yeah, this is cool. So obviously, uh, my first, I say my first win, when I got my my first win with Marcus as a driver, so obviously driver, uh, Marcus won in Imola uh, last year, so that was my first my first experience of a race win, that was pretty special because, again, it's one of those things you see drivers on TV spraying champagne, but actually to be emotionally invested in it was kind of nice, um, and again, it was kind of like, for me, it was almost <laughs> kind of touching on what we spoke about a minute ago, although I have that impact, I kind of saw it as a bit of a reward for the work yeah. I'd done. Even though, it's, again, it's a small percentage, it's still kind of a good feeling. Um, but then to top it, I think the win at Zanville was better because last season we came in, we, like, we met for about a week and I remember Marcus turning around to me and he said, Zanville is our focus this year. He was like, Zanville's going to be the toughest track of the calendar. We need yeah. to make sure we can smash this. So all of our prep for the year was up to Zanville. So then to come away with a race win, that felt pretty special. Um, and I think he'd agree with me in that from, from our sort of, working relationship that was probably our best win I don't know if it was his favorite win <laughs> but I think from our perspective it was definitely probably our best win because it was something that we'd been targeting from the start of the season so to come away with a win is pretty special um but yeah other than that I mean all the all, all the podiums and things are special um but then other than that you've got things like your first home Grand Prix so Silverstone was obviously awesome um and like I said earlier sort of like the tracks like Abu Dhabi they're kind of yeah. quite nice because I mean Three years ago, I never thought I'd be flying to the Middle East, these sort of things. So to actually be there, it's kind of nice just to take it in and go, yeah, this is this is really cool. When, because I know Marcus has been doing really well in IndyCar, because I do watch IndyCar, I love it. But do you like to, do you kind of sit there and think, oh, I'm going to take the credit for a bit of that? Like when he <laughs> when he won Rookie of the Year, were you like, oh, that, that was a bit of me? Um, It's hard to say, so... I know he's like so he's still training very similarly like similar alignment to what we did last year obviously I still chat to him every now and then just make sure he's okay and even when he's had a few problems in the US like he'll message me and he'll just ask for some support so that's quite nice to still have that bit of a relationship with him um, so it's, it's, I mean for me it's nice to see him doing well because um, sort of like last year the hard work we were putting in 
when IndyCar became a target for him, we were kind of working a bit for that as well, even though we didn't know if we'd be working together next year. Obviously, we turns out well, obviously we didn't in the end, um, but we were still kind of working towards that goal. So I think, from my perspective, to see him go out there and do an amazing job for me is really satisfying because I know he's a good driver, and I know he had. We knew it's going to be a physically demanding season for him because the IndyCar is. It's very similar to the F2 yeah. car. It's quite a physical car, but obviously the races are longer and things like that. So we knew it's going to be tough for him to get into it. So for him to kind of just jump in and get hit the ground running sort of straight away was quite nice to see. And then obviously to be rewarded at the end of the year with Rookie of the Year. And I mean, I'm not sure if you watched the last race or anyone else, but yeah. like I feel like with the uh, with the collision on the restart, he might have been robbed from his first race win. Yeah. So you can look at it that way. But I think I think he's done a cracking job for his first season in Indy. And I think that's kind of shown with the with the Ganassi guys giving them extended contracts and this, so that's good, good to see. And um, lastly, I wanted to ask, what advice would you give to anyone that wants a career like yours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a niche industry to get into, yeah. so you can't expect to be easy. Uh, there's a lot of groundwork laid down. Biggest advice I can give anyone is just network. I, the amount of times I'd message people on LinkedIn or social media and just kind of be like, hi, this is who I am. I'd love to do what you're doing. And the amount of times I got shut down, no one replied. But you've got to keep persevering because then when one person replies to you, that's a stepping stone to the next person and eventually it snowballs into something. So, I mean, I say it to everyone who asks me these sort of questions. The best thing you can do is just chat to as many people as you can and find out what they did so you know how much you can do to get to where they are. Well, thank you so much for coming on for today's episode. No worries, thank you. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode just as much as I did. And yeah, I'll see you on the next one. Bye!